on. And Father, we look on our own lives, and for some of us, that's, that's a reflection of our own situations as well. There's all kinds of things kicking off and, and happening. And Father, we thank you that we've just been celebrating the, the birth of the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. And he said these words, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so, Father, we, as we turn to your word in a moment, we, we pray for your peace to descend upon this room, into this room, upon every gathered person here, upon every child, upon every young person, upon them in their groups as they meet upstairs, your peace that passes all understanding. Prince of Peace, come and meet with us in this place. We take authority in this place and we declare peace. Peace in the midst of chaos. Peace that enables us to focus on you, Father, and not on what's going on around us. Peace that enables us to not be anxious about what's coming in the week ahead or what's just happened or the news we've had this morning. Just your incredible peace. Peace that enables us to focus on your word, Father, your scripture. Peace that enables us to focus on what you want to say to us today. So, Father, we want to sit in your peace this morning. Help us to gather our, our scattered senses into one place so that we can hear and respond to what you want to say to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, we don't pray in this place enough. We simply don't pray in this place enough, and we, we need to pray more. I'm quite sensitive to what the spirits are doing and what the spirits are doing rather than the Holy Spirit and I tell you, we need to pray in this place more because we don't know what's gone on here in the week. And well, let's put it this way. The enemy doesn't want us to worship and experience God. He doesn't want us to know his peace and his love and his comfort and, uh, and his power and all the good things that happen when, when God's people gather together. There's, there's a different feel to this room now, isn't there? And sometimes we've got to take authority and grab the authority back and say, we're not having any more of this chaos and everything. We're just going to rest in God's peace as we look at his word. Not so you can listen to what I've got to say. I pray that God will speak through me this morning. And, you know, we're not, I'm not praying that so you listen to my words. We want his words, don't we, this morning. So we're, we're um, if Matty can find it, we're, um, we're taking the next step. If Matty can take the next step and find the, find the PowerPoint for me, that would be great. Um, in the meantime, while he, while he does this... Um, I felt very strongly I wanted to read this over you, and um, before we start the message, it's just something from Isaiah 43. It's a very well-known um, passage, and um, it's not on the PowerPoint anyway, but maybe just shut your eyes for a moment, and I believe God wants me to speak this over you, over me, um, over um, this church. And the words are this, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and ostriches, for I give water 
in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praises. Just felt that some of you need to hear that this morning. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? So, as we, um, as we step forth into um, 2024, I, I want to simply encourage you just to follow Jesus this year. And um, that's the thing that's really on my heart. And we're going to think this morning about what that looks like in terms of next steps for each one of us. Because I, I sense in our lives there are, there are times to ne- make next steps and, and what God wants us to do as individuals and, and as a church. But this is more about us as individuals. So if we can put the next passage up, it's a very obvious passage to uh, use in this uh, context of following Jesus. And it's the calling of the first disciples. And Uh, It says there that in Matthew, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. It's amazing, really, when you think about that, isn't it? It is a simple call to these disciples, these fishermen, come follow me. They weren't disciples at that point, but these fishermen, come come follow me. And immediately they did. They even left their father mending the nets. They just went off and followed Jesus. There was no sort of... uh, information pack or job description or guaranteed pay or or anything at all they they just went it's 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 stunning really when you think about it so often we read across these passages and they just go over our head and we don't really think about the implications of them but they literally just got up and followed him and i sense that his message to us at the start of this new year is he wants us to just simply follow him to follow him And a disciple of Jesus is a follower. He's a follower. And Jesus said several things about this. And this is the thing you see. He leads as we follow. We don't lead and he follows. He leads and we follow. And he said several things about this. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You're preaching that on that on your own just as a sermon couldn't you all about listening to his voice and uh, and then also Matthew 10 38 if you refuse to take your cross and follow me you're not worthy of being mine so the language gets a bit more challenging doesn't it from Jesus that you know if you refuse to take your cross and follow me you're not worthy of being mine and that whole thing of sacrifice in following Jesus and then the final one and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me you cannot be my disciple. Wow. 7th of January, is that it already? It's, it's powerful, isn't it? Challenging words 
that Jesus talked about following and what it means to be a disciple of his and follow him. I preached a series in Newcastle um, years ago now, and um, Newcastle is this, this amazing city, this footballing city, and there was a massive game on yesterday, which I had to watch having been lived in Newcastle for years, and Newcastle v Sunderland is just a massive local derby. Um, it's, it's a massive footballing seri- uh, uh, city, and um, God gave me this word in this, this series I preached called, Are You a Fan or a Follower? Uh, which really resonated with the Geordies. The whole thought of, of they all saw themselves as, as fans. But I wanted to say to them that, you know, there's so many fans who just sit in the armchair and watch it on TV, but the followers go to every game. For the Geordie followers, living right up there in the northeast of England, going to a game at Southampton or somewhere like that, is a, it's an eight-hour journey. And thousands of them go to these games and follow and buy the shirts, which are like 80 pounds each and and everything else, season tickets and all that kind of stuff. They make incredible sacrifices to follow Jesus, follow, follow Jesus, follow Newcastle United. They're they're just amazing what they do. They're 100% committed to the cause. And I think we're living in a generation today where um, we've almost got a two-tier Christianity. We've got the fans and the followers, the people who are following with all their heart and the fans who are just watching from an armchair. And I came across this quote, maybe we can put it up on screen, um, from Carolyn Custis James. And, um, oh, that's not gone across very well, has it? Uh, Pharisaical tendency, listen, watch this, you have to read this carefully. Pharisaical tendency is in all of us make the walk of faith doable. We can be moral, we can go to church, we can read our Bibles, we can give our 10%. Jesus knocked down the walls of that kind of thinking. Real kingdom living is costly. It will stretch, it will bend and break us. Following Jesus isn't the path to a tame or easy life. It's about taking up a cross, which means laying down our lives as Jesus did for the sake of others. So challenging, isn't it? And I think we're living in that Christian world right now. Fans and followers, fans and followers. Where for some it's just a Sunday Christianity, but for others they're following, simply following like those early disciples did. So following means two things. It means staying close to Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that at the start of this year. You can't follow someone. Have you been, ever been in a football crowd or a big crowd or a group of people getting off the tube or whatever, and you're trying to walk with somebody to, to get out of the tube station? You just let them get, you know, two or three meters ahead of you, and you lost them. You've got to stay close to people. And I want to encourage you this year, stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. It will change your life. Stay close. Sunday is not enough. It is not enough. If I may say so, you're playing at your Christian faith. It's Sunday is your only connection to Jesus. There has to be more than that. And ultimately, you're missing out. You are missing out massively. And second, following Jesus costs. It costs. You know, if your faith is comfortable and tame and without cost, then you're a, fo- you're, you're a fan, not a follower. There has to be something more. There has to be a cost. And I listed a few things on the next um, PowerPoint about the cost. There's always a cost. Praying, seeking, serving, giving, caring, sharing, loving, forgiving, being gracious, showing mercy, standing for truth and justice, witnessing, persevering, encouraging, discipling, teaching. There's a cost to following Jesus. 
Okay, so next slide. So imagine for a moment, I want to pull us right back to those disciples on, on that shoreline. Imagine for a moment if they hadn't followed Jesus. Imagine what they would have missed out on. Imagine what they would have missed out. The water being changed into wine. The feeding of the 5,000. The multiple healings of people. The cripples, the lepers, the blind receiving their, their sight, the mute starting to speak again, the deaf receiving their hearing, the, the guy by the waters at Bethesda who got miraculously healed, Lazarus being raised from the dead, all the deliverance that was kicking off around Jesus and evil spirits being sent into pigs and all kinds of stuff like that, the walking on the water, the calming of the storm, the transfiguration, Jesus' incredible teaching, the resurrection, Pentecost, Peter, this guy who's denied Jesus previously, standing up and preaching the first sermon in the church, and 3,000 people getting saved. Imagine what they would have missed out on if they hadn't followed Jesus. And here's the thing, imagine what you might miss out on if you don't follow Jesus in 2024. I want you to think for a moment. Jesus has, has, has plans and purposes and callings and next steps for you to make. But if you don't follow closely him, you could miss out on so much stuff that he has for you. Incredible adventures, experiences, new relationships await those who will simply follow Jesus in 2024. What if God wanted to do a new thing? In your life what you wanted to take on a new adventure or just do something new in you maybe your life's boring and tame and you're just fed up with it right now follow after jesus follow him see what he might do in your life i brought my old bible with me i was given this christmas 1982 some of you weren't even born then were you I'm really feeling my age. Look at that. Do you remember these old little NIV Bibles? Some of you, the little brown ones. It's, um, I can't believe the, look how small the writing is. <laughs> I used to use that in my daily quiet time. Oh, I can't even, I can't even see the page. Never mind the, what's going on in there. But there's a little story around this um, Bible. And around about 1985, I, I started getting really close to Jesus and, and just, this longing in my heart to spend more time with Jesus and, I, and, and it just started with quiet times really in the morning and just putting some time aside and, and reading my Bible and doing some reading notes and, um, and just, you know, my desire was for, for Jesus and for God and, and for his kingdom and I was working for WH Smith at the time in, in Wisbeach and I was going up through the management scale and uh, I was really enjoying that and I was passionate about it. I loved the job I was doing and um, and then God started to plant this desire in me for, for full-time ministry. And I, I didn't know what it looked like. And I had no idea what type of full-time ministry. But I knew that, that God was drawing me to, to himself. And I was in Wisbeach. And uh, I was attending this little church. And the minister sort of adopted me and sort of mentored me and gave me opportunities and that sort of thing. And we got to the point where I just had this strong desire to go back to my home church in Leicester. And, um, and to serve there. And the minister was there who had been there when I'd moved to Wisbeach. And there's just this strong desire to give up my job and go and, go and um, be an intern for him. And uh, I, I didn't, you know, I, 
I was about 20 at the time, 22 at the time. I, 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 you know, I don't know what day it was in terms of life and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, just, I just felt like this, just this strong desire. And so the elders at the church in Wisbeach were praying about it. The elders at the Baptist church in, in Leicester were praying about it. And um, everyone just sort of felt, well, you know, maybe this is the right thing. Let's just keep praying about it. And, uh, and I was sort of seeking God and just had this massive desire to go back to where my family were and my friends were and just serving this church and then one sunday morning at that time we were, we, we i was just um still seeking god and i remember I, I walked out to the back of the church i was chatting with some of the guys at the back of this little church and um and i went back to my my seat in the church and my bible was open this is why i brought it and um it's gonna is anybody here can read this who's got glasses on there is a verse underlined, looking at Bev, but she, even with her glasses on, probably can't read it. Why did they make it so small? I can't believe I had eyesight that good back then. But can you read out what that verse says that was underlined in my Bible that day? Oh. Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Well, I don't know to this day why that verse was underlined in my Bible. Why would you underline that verse? Why would you do it? It was open in the pew with that verse underlined. That's why I've kept that Bible, to be honest, for that reason. That was my call to ministry. And from then on, I left my job. I went back to my family. And um, that was the next step for me at that time in my life. I went back to that church. Julia had recently been widowed with three little boys. I met Julia. We got married. We had more children. Went to Bible college, planted a church in Crewe, went to Newcastle as a football chaplain, led camps. One step changed my life. Now, that one step might be different for you, but as we step out into 2024, I wonder what step God might be asking you to do. I look back to that day and think, wow and and here's the thing i think an angel had a big pyro that day because i don't even remember leaving my bible open that morning i don't know to this day i'll never know maybe god will show me and having the video of it of what happened amazing one step there's a great quote on that can we put it up on the screen sometimes the smallest step in the right direction ends up being the biggest step of your life tiptoe if you must but take the step so Next slide. What is your next step as you follow Jesus in 2024? It might not be as big as the step I took. I mean, my manager thought I'd lost the plot when I told him I was giving up my job to go back to Leicester with no job and just live by faith. I thought I completely lost the plot. So it may not be as big a step as that. Uh, but we're all at different stages, and I just thought it might be useful to put a few steps up, recognizing that we're all at different uh, stages. So for some of you, like it was for me before God called me to ministry, it might just be that step of having a regular time with God. Just setting that time aside. I'm sure there's some of us who don't do that regularly. This is why I've been encouraging the Lectio uh, 365 app to use that. I think there's an Everyday with Jesus app now that you can use as well. There are other things, out, other resources out there. But just having regular time with God. Next one is maybe join a life group. Maybe you haven't joined a... Oh, oh I'll drop that one in this morning, I think. Determined to attend church more often. Oh, stop skiving. Stop, stop, stop having church as a last resort. 
They've got nothing better to do. You know, determined to be in church a bit more often as you follow Jesus in 2024. Next one is a life group one. Join a life group. Get involved. Get engaged with other people in the community, in God's community. And um, you know, one of the great things about life groups is there's so much more opportunity there is on a Sunday morning to, to use your gifts, to learn from each other, to teach, to all that kind of thing, taking next steps with him and have fellowship together. Or maybe the next step is the one that some of you are taking next week, which is baptism. A step of obedience, a stepping stone. So often, I found with people that when they get baptized, and I was saying this to the guys in the week when we had a, a, a baptismal class, it can be a launch pad into all that God has for you. And I'll say this while we're on the subject. I'm always concerned when Christians haven't been baptized. You should have been baptized by now. I'm always concerned about the reasons why Christians haven't been baptized. Because to me, it's the first step of obedience to God. It's the first step of submission to God. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus' command. Believe and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Throughout Scripture, it's there. So maybe we need to add some people next week to the tank. <laughs> Service. What about... Um, Serving others, joining a team, maybe that's the next step for you to start serving in church or in the community or the hill, helping those guys up there or in faith works or wherever, but taking that step. Or maybe the next step is this, to, um, to start living right. <laughs> to address that sin to deal with it, maybe to get some help if you're struggling with something, you know, that's, that you, in the old days, you used to call it a besetting sin, a sin that you sort of almost can't shake off, it's taken hold of you, we can help you with that if you need some help with that, but to address that sin that constantly trips you up, that you constantly feel guilty about, ashamed about, get some help with it, and even pastors like myself, I have to pray each day about certain things so I don't fall into those traps. But maybe the next step for you is to address um, that sin. And here's the thing, you know, that I've learned in my Christian walk is that, you know, when God brings conviction of sin, he never brings condemnation, he brings conviction of sin, that until we address that thing, we can go no further with him. He wants us to address it. And the thing is, then we have freedom, don't we? And, and, we, and we feel like he's listening while we're praying and we feel his presence and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, we'll keep moving. Forgiveness and reconciliation is the next one. You choose to forgive people. Anybody you need to forgive? Anybody you need to be reconciled with? Somebody said a year or so ago about but we need to choose reconciliation over being right. And sometimes we just have to say, I'm, I'm sorry. And make things right with people. Even if we don't necessarily feel we've done anything wrong. So maybe that's the next step for somebody this morning as you step into 2024. The next one is giving regularly. You know, can I say it costs money to run this church? It's not because we're short of money at the moment at all, but it costs money to run this church. Maybe this year to start giving regularly, even a small amount towards God's kingdom. Because let me tell you, if you're in here for a show, it would probably be about 20 quid. I don't know, I've not been to a show here since I've lived here, but it might even be more than that. Because it pays for the gas, the electric, the staff, and everything else. And I don't need some more. Maybe the next thing is um, sharing your faith. Who are you sharing life and faith in Jesus with or in your circle of friends on your front lines? Or maybe it's to use the gifts that God 
has given you. You know, we've all been given spiritual gifts, but natural gifts as well. Some of you are good with numbers. Some of you have skills with carpentry or music or whatever it is. And we need some more guys in the band. We're a bit thin on the ground at the moment. If you're sitting in our congregation, you have a musical gift. You need to speak to these guys and get in the band. Get committed to it. It will take commitment. But what did we say earlier? Carrying your cross means sacrifice, worship practice night, coming here at half nine on a Sunday. But there has to be a sacrifice to our Christian nine. There has to be a sacrifice, sorry. That's what time I turn up. I turn up and it's all done by then. Um, but there is, there is a cost to following Jesus and he wants you to use your natural gifts and abilities. And then going a bit deeper with this, being a progression in this, maybe take up a leadership role. Some of you should be leaders by now in this church. You're sitting on your hands, being fed, being fed, being fed, being fed. For some of you, it's time to step up, maybe into senior church leadership or, or a life group leadership. We need more life group leaders. Come a week on Thursday and find out what that involves. Children's work are desperate for people to step up and be leaders. Youth work, leadership, team ministry. It'd be great to have a, an alpha, wouldn't it, in our in our church right now. So maybe it's time for some of you to step up into leadership. Full or part-time ministry, maybe God's calling you to. Next one. What about following your vision or your dream? What's God put on your heart to do? Maybe to, I don't know, start a business or start a ministry or something that's just been there for years. Maybe to write songs, I don't know, write a book or do something with young people or do something in the community out there. We desperately need God's people out there doing things and launching new things out there. What's God put on your heart to do? What's the next step for you to do? Or maybe reapply for that course or that job or promotion. Maybe you've been put off because you, you didn't get the opportunity the first time or the second time or the third time. Maybe God would just give you a nudge this morning and say, Come on, give it another go. We had a, a lady again in Newcastle. I attended this life group, and um, she'd applied for a nursing course three times and failed to get on it. It was a passion. She knew God was calling her to do it. And, um, and I just said to the leaders, look, let's just pray about this. And why don't you as a group pray about this every week and pray for this lady to get on this course. And you know what happened? She got on the course. She's a nurse in one of the big Newcastle hospitals to this day because you've got to put that dream in the heart, that next step, and it just needs to press through. Okay, so what's the next step for you? Taking the next step will bring pressure and opposition. The enemy will oppose your next step. Um, you know, I could talk about all the times when we, we faced opposition, Julia and I, um, you know, when we went to Bible college, we had no money, we had uh, no income, no tenants, no home to move to no grant, no money. Our best friends said we were absolutely crazy that we'd lost away. How can you go to Bible college? You've got no money, you've got no income, you've got, you've got your house isn't rented out, you haven't got accommodation to go and live in. And somehow God turned it all around and we had to move to Bible college. I had a fiver in my pocket and my friend borrowed a horse box and we towed it to Nantwich from Leicester with all our belongings in the back of this horse box, which had got straw on the floor and all kinds of stuff. You know, and God 
God made a way. There was so much opposition to us going to Bible college. When we tried to buy the building in, in Newcastle, this big dream center we bought, we were trying to swap the, the small congregational church for this 33,000 feet, four-story building. There was so much opposition, and some of the opposition came from Christians in the church. And when you try and make that next step, whether it's baptism or, or whatever it is, there may be opposition from those around you. That's often what the enemy does. Well-meaning people who will oppose you or pour cold water on your dreams. When we were trying to move into this building and trying to buy this building, we ended up swapping the buildings over. I had people defaming me. I had people abusing me on social media. I had one lady wish me dead on social media. I had another lady write to the local paper and say that Simon Lawton wasn't in interested in the, in the community. He was just interested in himself. I mean, why would you try and buy a 33,000 foot building for the local community if you weren't interested in the local community? And now that building is serving hundreds of people every week in the local community. We had all sorts going on, petitions, attacks on my family, but God carried us through. And that building's a lasting legacy now, and, it, and it's a building that's going to serve that community. And they see people baptized regularly in that place. Absolutely amazing what God is doing. But there will be opposition. There will be challenges. I'll tell you a funny story about this, um, about that building. Who knew that Christians are bonkers? I mean, some Christians are completely bonkers. You might be sat next to one right now. But, yeah, just check them out. Um, but when, when we bought this building, this guy opposed it so much, he couldn't accept that we had swapped this church congregational building for this bingo hall, and actually that bingo was going to be played in the church building, that sin was going to take place in the church, in the, on consecrated ground. So after we, this was one of our congregation, a former elder, after we'd swapped the buildings over and started living in the new building, I got to know the bingo hall manager really well, and uh, we would take drop, because it was only literally down the road from us. I mean, it was literally about as far as the museum is from here, on the other side of the road. So I would pop every now, in there every now and then with the post, because I, I, you know, I wanted to be a witness to this guy, lovely guy. He was almost like the pastor of all these old ladies that came in to play bingo. And um, one day I walked in, and I said, oh, here's some posts for him, chatted to him, and he said, can I have a word with you? He said, we've got something really strange going on in, this, in our bingo hall. I'm like, yeah, fine, what's going on? Thinking, you know, I'm going to have to pastor him over some strange occurrence. And um, he said, well, I've got this guy who used to be in your congregation and three ladies. When the bingo's taking place, they come in, they sit down at the bingo tables, and he gets his big Bible out, and they get their Bible out, and they start praying and reading the Bible. I'm like, what? And, and, and he said, yeah, yeah, and it, our customers are like, they really don't like it. And I'm thinking, how gracious was this guy? I mean, if somebody came in here next Sunday and started playing bingo, they'd be straight out the door, I'm telling you, they'd be, <laughs> boot them out. Um, I couldn't believe how gracious you'd been, but this guy and, and these ladies, every Wednesday lunchtime, they would go and stand outside the church building and they would, they would be praying with their hands on the building, the old church building, and claiming it back for Elim. And they put stickers on and they put Bible verses on and they did this for a year after we'd swapped building every Wednesday, lunchtime. How bonkers are Christians at times? 
I mean, God had been in this whole move, but all I want to say to you is there will be opposition. So quickly, some, some steps for you. As you, you're going to take some next steps this year, some steps forward into all that God has for you. So here's some, here's some uh, steps for you. Number one, I'm not that quick. Rem <laughs> recognize your enemy. You know, your battle's not against flesh and blood. Recognize your enemy as you take a next step. It's the last thing the devil wants you to do is take a next step. So recognize your enemy. There will be opposition. Think the Exodus, the conquest, Joshua. David, Esther, the early church, there will be opposition, but it's not people, it's the devil. There will be opposition. Number two, but remember who's called you. That's the important thing, isn't it? Put the verse up there as well. The one who has called you is faithful and he will do it. Recognize your enemy, yes, but remember who has called you to take the next step. God has called you to take that next step, whatever it is. So focus on the right guy. Number three, resist the devil. Keep going. Submit yourselves then to God. That's an important thing to remember. We talk about resisting the devil a lot, don't we? We need to submit to God as well. I'm submitting to you, to my life, this situation, this next step. We're going to resist the devil and he will flee. He doesn't play fair. He plays dirty. He'll often throw everything at you when you want to take a, particularly if it's a big step forward. There'll be problems and people and doubts and fears and anxieties and lack of resources and doors that seem to be closed sometimes and resistance. See, the enemy sees your potential in Christ. So resist the devil. Number four, pray, pray, pray. Keep going. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray. You're going to have to cover your next step in prayer. Number five, live by faith, not by sight. That's how God wants us to live, to live by faith, not by sight. As you take those next steps, things may not look great. Sometimes you'll feel like everything's coming against you. It's chaotic, but you live by faith in what God has told you to do. Pray, wait, ex trust, expect, stand in faith. Number six, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And here's the thing. You... If you're going to take next steps with God, then you've got to do it in his strength, in his power, with his help. You cannot do it by yourself. So wherever God's called you or placed you or planted you right now and you're taking that next step, do it in his strength. Do it in his power. It's the only way to do it. Number seven, don't let fear stop you taking the next step. This is a thing I find with God's people all the time that, you know, God tells them to take a step and they just hold back because they're fearful of, of all kinds of things. And the word of God says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You can take that next step it's despite the fear. You know, what if I get it wrong? What if I've not heard right from God? What if he doesn't come through for me? Imagine being in Wisbeach and giving up your career. My manager thought I was crazy, he swore at me. Don't burn all your bridges, son. What kind of nonsense. We get those things, you know, what, what if I've got it wrong? What if God doesn't come through for me? What if I can't do it? That's a common one. What if when it comes to it, I feel God's calling me to lead worship? Or what if when I stand up there, and I just start shaking or, I just can't do it. That's fear that the enemy is putting into you. 
What will others think? What if I embarrass myself? Fear. God wants you to take a next step and the enemy will come with fears and anxieties and doubts. And there's a quote we can put it up on screen from Martin Luther King. Take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. That's all that God wants you to do. So a couple of promises as you take your next step this year. And we're going to do some next steps in a moment. Um, I love this. Uh, I love this verse. There's a reason I love this verse, but I'll tell you in a minute. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. I love that bit about the fact that he delights in every detail of our lives. As I look back on, on our journey, Judah and I, and, and see the way that God has been involved in so many details, from providing a, you know, a, a horse pox to providing a school for our daughter in Newcastle, which is an absolute miracle she got into this amazing school all kinds of details so you take the next steps you're prayerful you're seeking God you're allowing him to direct your steps he delights in every detail you can you can trust him to be involved in the detail because that's one of the other fears I guess isn't it as we think about it that we you know we, we say well if I do this this and this well what about that and what about that just follow closely to him and then 2 Peter 1, I love this passage. I thought I'd read it in the, in the Passion Translation. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him for a glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are all beyond all price. Uh, that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. Amazing promises. Eh? God promises you everything you need as you take those next steps. And God will not just provide everything you need, and some of you need to hear this, he will equip you too. He'll equip you for that next step. I want you to really hear that this morning because that's one of the reasons why people don't take those next steps because we think what if and you know and can I do it and will I have the gifting and will I have the anointing of God you know when we take those next steps I've seen this so many times in in Christian ministry that you know you people you, you sort of sometimes you see people taking a step into a position maybe you know maybe higher than they've ever had before and you think, how are they going to do? How will they cope with this new role, this new opportunity? And then they step into it. Have you seen this? And something changes. They have a stature and an authority they never had before. The gifting they had initially is increased in some kind of way. They're, they're just able to do that role amazingly. And you look and go, wow, isn't God amazing? And I, I've seen this in my own life as I've taken steps forward and thought, how am I going to do that? And then God steps in. And I, I think this is the thing. When we step out, God steps in. And, and he provides everything we need for that role. So some of you need to hear this this morning, that God will equip you too. No matter the doubts in your head, if he's calling you to do something, he will equip you too for that new season. So I think that's enough for today. So what is your next step? Let's stand together, shall we? What's your next step? What's God asking you to do this morning?
today, in 2024, let's get the band back and we're going to pray. What's your next step? What is God asking you to do? Perhaps your next step is just to follow Christ, to just become a Christian, to just follow him simply. Maybe that's your next step. Or maybe you're already a Christian. What is your next step? Please don't settle for a sedentary, tame, sleepy, unproductive Christian life. It's not what God has called you towards. And finally here, perhaps today's a day to step back into what God called you to do in the first place. Maybe he wants you to step back. Because sometimes we take a step forward and all hell's let loose and we, we stand back and go, whoa, I can't do that. And maybe for somebody this morning, there's, there's a moment to, to say, right, I'm going to step back into what I know God has called me to do. I'm not going to be put off by those voices, by those people, by the opposition, by the negativity, by what went wrong last time. Or maybe it didn't work, quite work out properly last time. Maybe for you this morning, your, your next step is actually to step back into what you should be in, involved in anyway. So let's pray together, Father. Father, we just thank you for this new year. We thank you that you've called us all to follow you, to know you and to follow you. And Father, for each one of us, there'll be a next step. And we just want to pause for a moment this morning. Um, for some of us this morning, we know what that next step is. For some of us, we need to step back into something. For others, it's completely a new step. For some, it'll be a new direction, a new thing. And we just pray in this moment, if you haven't already, will you just whisper it into our ear? Will you show us what it is? Show us what it is. We choose this morning to take that next step. Will you equip us and provide for us and help us as we head into 2024 to follow you closely and to take that next step? Amen.